Hello, everybody. My name is Dennis Curtis, and this is the Clean Soul Podcast. Today, the title of the podcast is Pupil and Teacher. We, as Christians, are pupils, and we are being taught by the teacher. When choosing disciples, it was clear that Jesus was a teacher and was on a mission to teach. He chose 12 men to follow his lead and to display his supernatural kingdom and to carry on the process of saving as many people as possible after he left. Why was Jesus doing this? He is working to save people from an eternity separated from the kindness and the glory of God. His goal was to secure in people's belief system that he, Jesus, is God on the earth and bring to them the truth, the true salvation that only he can bring, than to follow him in his way of life, specifically to talk, to act, and to do the same things that he did. That was what he was teaching his disciples. This is a follower, one who does the same things as the teacher, like an apprentice, learning the trade, carrying it forward. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is sending out ahead of him his 12 disciples. By this time in his ministry, he had already preached the gospel, displayed manifestations of the kingdom of God, a supernatural manifestation, many of them, and taught some of the specifics of how the kingdom of God works and its requirements. These manifestations or miracles were a display of the power that resides in the kingdom of God, intersecting into a broken world and an exhibition of the goodness of God. Matthew 10.1, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Then in verse 16, he tells them about the road ahead. They would be sent out among wolves, rejected by religious leaders, arrested by governing authorities, hated by even family members who would even try and kill some of them. What a calling. This is not a glamorous calling, and it's a narrow road. Then he tells them that they need to be shrewd as snakes. This means to be watchful, cautious, cunning, of the possible danger that might come upon them. Why? Because Satan and all those in Satan's grip, uh, either supernatural or natural, are going to come against anyone who sounds or acts like Jesus or is a disciple of Jesus. Let's read Matthew 10, 24 and 25. The student or pupil is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for pupils to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? There are three metaphors here that we read in the last uh, couple of verses, and they relate to our relationship with Christ. The first one was a pupil and a teacher. The Greek word for pupil, also sometimes translated as student and disciple, is mathetaeus. I want to say that again and listen to it. Mathetaeus. The root word 
in this Greek word is math, mathetaeus, and it is defined as one who learns, and that learning is accomplished by endeavor. So you can just think for a second, math, to learn math, you got to learn addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, then you learn your multiplication tables, and you learn how to add certain uh, numbers and subtract certain numbers by memorization. So that's how we describe a, a disciple. Servant and master is the next one. Servant is better translated as a slave in this context but not as we understand it as Americans. This is one who is indebted, not in bondage. This speaks of our relationship with Jesus. It doesn't take away that we are adopted sons and daughters, nor uh, that we are called his friends or saved by grace. Yet we are indebted to our Savior for his substitutionary death for us to remove the sin in our life, to call us holy and righteous. Because he has done so much for me, I am willing to do whatever he calls me to do. The last metaphor is head of the house and members of that house. Jesus is the authority of all life, of all the earth, of all the universe, and we are members of his family. The punchline is that Jesus is called Beelzebub. Beelzebub is the prince of demons, or lord of the flies. For his act of removing demons and healing people, this is what they called him. Therefore, if we are doing what Jesus did, and we should be, guess what evil people are going to think of us? The same as they thought of Jesus some 2,000 years ago. We are called to be like Jesus and act like him. This is what Christian means, a little Christ. Listen to what Jesus tells us in John 14, 12 and 13. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, if we don't look like Jesus, and I'm not talking about physically looking like him, but our character, our love, and if we don't do the things that he is doing, then that needs to be our goal. And of course, I'm not saying that we can do miracles in ourselves. I remember as a young Christian thinking, how am I going to do this stuff? But we don't do the miracles. Jesus is still in the business of doing miracles. We listen to the Holy Spirit as he is doing his work. We get in line with him and we're obedient to the Holy Spirit. That's when we see the manifestation of the kingdom of God. And here, these miracles promote God's kingdom. And if God chooses to do it through us, hallelujah, that's a great thing. We need to ensure that our life is one that we are seeking first the kingdom of God. We are getting close enough to the Holy Spirit and to the love of the Father and, of course, Jesus to hear and then do what they are doing. This might be the toughest part of discipleship, at least in my life, is to get close enough to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying and let the love of the Father 
permeate in my heart so that I am willing to be like him and do like him. Back to Matthew 10:25. If the head of the household has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? If we think about this type of persecution, it might it probably would drum up inside of us fear. What happens to me when I when I lose my job, when I lose my reputation or my house, my family? What will happen to me? What will I do? This is fear. Well, Jesus thought of that because right as soon as we get it to the next verse, uh, Matthew 10, 26, he says, So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. He is telling us that even unrepentant evil secrets will be disclosed. John 16, 33, Jesus comforts us and says, I have told you all these things in advance so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So he's telling us, don't fear, walk in peace, walk in Christ. But this is not really a deliverance from persecution. It's a call to stand in faith through it. The lies and the evil will eventually be revealed and proper punishment will be delivered. I think of the German Nazi officers. I'm sure there were some soldiers in there also. After the World War II, the Nuremberg trials, they tried to hide all over the world but couldn't do it. Trials continued all the way to, I think the last one was in 1962. But even if some of them get away from human judgment and punishment, they will not escape God's judgment and righteous punishment. Let's keep reading Matthew 10. Now let's go to verse 27. What I tell you in the dark, speak in daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside my father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth much more than many sparrows. Here, Jesus is calling us to proclaim what he has taught, even the small, seemingly insignificant details. If we properly present Jesus, we will find ourselves in spiritual battles, and they may even come through unsuspecting people. But we are to stand firm in the face, even to the point of death. I doubt anybody in my audience has resisted from sin to the point of shedding their own blood. But as we approach the return of the Lord Jesus, times are getting tough and persecution will arise. If we would do a survey of the nations today, and I did a quick survey, we'll find that there is a large portion of the earth that have persecuted Christians living in it. All you have to do is think about China, Iran, Iraq. Saudi Arabia, the list goes on and on. 
There are some in our nation right now that are trying to destroy the remnant of true Christianity. I'm thinking about the pastors in Canada that were arrested during COVID for uh, holding meetings, church meetings. Even one church was out in the forest, and uh, the Canadians went after them and finally arrested them. Uh, Almost unbelievable in Canada. If we stand firm now, especially in the United States, I believe that we can keep a door open to the presence of the kingdom of God and join the Lord in saving many, many more people before his return. Are you up to the challenge? I know I am, and I want to be. So let me summarize uh, a few points here. Number one, God has called us to be ambassadors for Christ. Number two, in order to be an ambassador, we are to represent Christ as he is described in the Bible. Therefore, we must know him, know his will, and we are to live and talk about what we have learned from him. And the third point, we are warned, Jesus warned us, we will face opposition and that we are to stand firm, trusting him, who will eventually have his way on earth. We are in the process of God's kingdom coming to earth. His plans have not changed. Everything is going according to his plan. I believe we are in the last stages of the time that the church is reigning on earth. Jesus is soon coming. No date, no specific time, but the signs of the season are apparent. So we are to pray live as disciples, and do the work of the kingdom in anticipation of his return and our reward. The Bible tells us that we should be standing at the door ready for his return. You know, the Lord's Prayer talks about his return and about the manifestation of the kingdom of God here on earth, and it's in the now. It's for today Though Jesus doesn't return, he can work through us in other people's lives. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Such an important prayer. Lord, we do pray that your kingdom would come, not only to us and our family, but also to those around us, Use us, Lord, to preach the gospel, to tell people about Jesus, to make disciples. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been the Clean Soul Podcast with Dennis Curtis. If you have questions or comments, feel free to visit me at thecleansoul.org.